mind that the Lord of all the earth would care to know my name, would care to feel my hurt. Who am I? Welcome to Who Am I? with Pastor Greg Tyra of Harvest Chapel in Williamsport, Indiana. We're glad you could join us as we teach through the Bible, chapter by chapter, verse by verse. Today's lesson is one in which we know you'll be enlightened to the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let's listen in to Pastor Greg as we launch today's lesson on Who Am I? Turn in your Bibles with me to Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1, and we're going to be looking at verse 1-8 today. We began the book of Acts last week, if you'll remember with me, written by Dr. Luke, written to Theophilus, which means lover of God or friend of God, and they believe that could have been his master and that Dr. Luke was at one time a slave. And so he writes this um, testimony of the early works of the church. And let me remind you that the book of Acts, we have shortened it all the way down to Acts. And the original title was The Acts of the Holy Spirit Through the Apostles. And now we're living in an age where we leave out the Holy Spirit. We have a form of godliness, but we deny the power thereof. And this is something that is foundational foundational. The Holy Spirit has to be included, although oftentimes we forget the third part of the Trinity, which is 100% God also, uh, the, the works of the Holy Spirit. You know, there is someone who said that if you took the Holy Spirit out of the Acts church, the early church, only 5% of what they was doing would have continued. But if you took the Holy Spirit out of today's church, which might happen soon with the rapture, the restrainer will be removed. 95% of what's going on will continue because we're having church with businesses and budgets and buildings. We're doing it in the strength of the flesh and of man and not by the power of the Holy Spirit. And I can remind you that as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the children of God. But I believe we're in an age of apostasy and even much worse than you could ever imagine. Now, I want to talk about Acts chapter 1-8 and just sit down and hone in on it and look at the, the work of the Holy Spirit. And we'll see this as we go through the book. But right now, I want to do a little bit of cherry picking and go and show you some things that are in the book of Acts and in the Bible about the work of the Holy Spirit. Now, listen again. It's foundational. If you didn't have the Spirit of God, you're not God's. And then if you have the Spirit of God and you're quenching and grieving and insulting and lying to the Spirit of God, then you're resisting the finishing work of the Holy Spirit in sanctification. Salvation is a race. It's, it's three parts. You have the starting line. You have the, the body of the race where you're being sanctified. And then you have the end of the race where you receive a crown and you're glorified in heaven. And if you, if you will, it's, it's, it's a positional salvation. 
Some people say, I, I am saved, I'm being saved, and I will be saved. Because it's not something that just happens instantly in the physical. Now, positionally, positionally in the spiritual realm, we're finished. We're seated with Christ in heavenly places because we've been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ now lives in me. And the life that I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. I'm not living my life anymore. And see, that's the problem today in the church that people are still living their life. They, they say a prayer, they say, I love Jesus, and they never do anything different in order to allow God to change them into his image. And, you know, I call it demonic faith. The demons believe in God and they tremble. They can't do anything. But when we come to salvation and we say we believe in God, then we're supposed to allow the Holy Spirit who comes in and seals us. He baptizes us into the body of Christ, whereby we cry, Abba, Father, and we become children of God, and, and the Spirit seals us forever. It's, it's a, actually a canning term where you're sealed. Actually, you can look at it with me if you'd like. It's in 113 of Ephesians. Ephesians 1.13 actually tells us all about this and what's going on. And if you want, you can write these down. I'm going to do quite a bit. We call it Bible sword drills. I'm going to go to quite a few places here and look at some things so that you understand where we're headed to. And then as we travel through the book of Acts, you'll understand how these men that are made just like us actually did the work of God and followed the will of God because they were led by the Spirit of God. They weren't doing it for themselves. They had surrendered and they were dead and they were allowing the Holy Spirit to be their power. So 113 says, In him you also trusted after you heard, faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God, the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also having believed, that's where you trust in God, pistio, and were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is the guarantee, that's the earnest in some text, of the inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession, you and me were the purchased ones, by the blood of Jesus to the praise of his glory. So when you believe you're sealed with the Holy Spirit, he comes in and seals you until the day of redemption. Now listen, this is important because then we become children of God. But pay attention because see, Old Testament saints, they were already children of God. The nation of Israel was already children of God. It's his firstborn nation, his firstborn people. So in the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit came upon people for the work of the ministry. See, they were already children. We have to become children of God. They were already children. Now under Christ, we all have to become children of God. But I want you to see that in the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit came upon them. Remember when they had 70 elders, I think it's number 16, and, and God said he would take of his spirit and put it up on the, 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 the other 70, and then they could help judge the people. The same spirit that Moses had, he would put it up on the other 70, and they would help judge the people, because it's going to kill Moses to try to judge two and a half million people all the time by himself. So he spread his spirit out into other elders, and it came upon them for a specific purpose. Right? When, when we, we look forward and you go into 1 Samuel 16, it actually happens uh, a little different than I'd like for it to happen. Uh, but but uh, 
David is anointed because God is unhappy with Saul. So Samuel goes down and anoints David as the king, and the Holy Spirit comes upon him. But the next verse says, Then the Holy Spirit was taken from Saul, and God gave him another spirit, a spirit to torment him. And so for 38 years, you see David either playing music to Saul to soothe the demon. So be careful with your worship music. Sometimes it's there to soothe something that God has given you that you can't handle. You're not at rest and at peace with God. And it's not really worship music. It's really just to make you feel good. It's really just to entertain your physical flesh that is living in a way it should not be living and make you feel good about yourself because you sang some words. Listen to me, because true worship is obeying God. It can be involved in singing, but that's really praise, singing praise to God, singing adoration to God and and praising Him and open our hearts so that our hearts will be plowed up and, and the hard ground will soften and then it can receive the word like we're trying to do now so we can be equipped to go out and do the work of the ministry. So listen to me. So then God took his spirit from Saul because he wasn't obeying, he wasn't following, he wasn't listening. He was building his own kingdom. He was living in the flesh. And if you live a life according to the flesh, you're going to die. But if by the spirit of God, you put to death the deeds of the body, you shall live. Romans 8, 13. It's the Spirit of God. And if you have not the Spirit, you're not God's. So we need to have this relationship with the Spirit. Of course, why? Because Jesus is the Spirit. First, or 2 Corinthians 3, 17. The Lord is the Spirit. I found another one also. If you need another one, you can go write this down and you can read later. It calls him the advocate. The advocate over in 1 John um, 2, 1. It calls him the advocate, talking about the Holy Spirit, and it says, who is the Lord Jesus Christ? So listen to me. The Lord is the Spirit. We already know that it's a trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. These three are one. They agree. They're involved in the ministry of uh, saving us, sanctifying us, and cleansing us, preparing us for the wedding supper of the Lamb. And so the Son comes down and follows the Father's plan and dies for our sins. And then He goes and sits down in the throne room and sends back the Holy Spirit. He, he has to ascend and sit back in that place first. And we sit down. We who believe sit down with Him. And we rest. And we rule and we reign with Him. And we become royalty of God. And now we have a message to go out and herald for the King. To, to proclaim to others that there's freedom in Christ. There's liberty in Christ. That we've been set free from the penalty of sin. Right? Positional. Penalty is gone. No more fear of death hanging over us. But then we know that now we need to be set free from the practice and the pleasure of sin. And that's what the Holy Spirit does as we say, here I am, I'm going to die. I'm going to be crucified. I'm going to be surrendering and begin to follow you and be led by the Spirit of God into all truth. And then he removes us one day from the very presence of sin. When we see him in glory, we'll be like him. So remember that this is, a, this is something that he's doing in our lives. And it's all done by the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, if you remember with me, I I should finish my Old Testament just to just to have fun with it. In the Old Testament, if you remember, then they got a bunch of instructions out in the wilderness about building a tabernacle that was just like the one in heaven, 
had to be built just like it because it represented something that was in heaven. Although it was physical, it was the tabernacle where Jesus was going to minister to the Father in heaven and pour his blood out for our sin. And so they call on, he said, here I have put my spirit upon Basiliel. And then these other gifted artisans, I've given them wisdom and, and, and all manner of craftsmanship so that they can do the work of the ministry together to build this tabernacle. And the same thing is going on with us as the body of Christ. God puts his Holy Spirit in us and then he comes up on us with power to do the work of the ministry. But you don't receive that power unless you begin to go out and follow what he's saying to do. If you're, if you're still living in the flesh and you're still grieving and quenching and insulting and lying to the Holy Spirit of promise and you're not, you're not even looking to do the will of God, then you have to ask yourself, how can God that spoke and created the universe live in my body live in my heart, be married to my spirit, betrothed to me, and, and I, my life's not changing? And I still desire to keep doing everything that the flesh wants to do. Now listen, that old man's there. That old woman, if you want, we use the, 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 the masculine pronoun in the Bible. So we say the old man is still there. It's your sin nature. And it desires to rule over you. And, and, and it will be led by the world and by Satan to dominate you if you don't surrender and allow the Holy Spirit to put to death the deeds of the body. That's what we're called to do. You'll think you're okay. You'll be playing religion and think you're okay because you went to church, because you carried your Bible, but nothing is dying on the inside. And if the flesh is still alive, then your sin nature is still dominating you, and you're not stepping into your identity. You're not walking in the power of the Holy Spirit. And we all struggle with these things, but it should not be the way of life. It should be the stumbling sometime of life. We should be looking forward to the finishing, sanctification work as God desires. It's his will that we would be uh, sanctified, body, soul, and spirit, all of us. So Acts 1.8, when you think about it, we first have to, it says, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you to be witnesses for me throughout Jerusalem, all Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the earth. So what happens when we look at the New Testament? Look at John 1. I'm going to turn here. I'm going to be a little tedious uh, on purpose. If you want to write them down, you can go look at them later if you're not real good with Bible sword drills. Uh, that, but John 1 tells us how we become children of God. And, and we, we, we know that uh, Christ came in the flesh and he started his ministry. And then it says in 111, he came to his own, and that's the nation of Israel. They were already his children. He came to his own, and his own did not receive this free gift. They didn't believe him. They thought he was a liar. They're getting ready to choose the liar, the Antichrist, here soon in the nation of Israel still. Verse 12, but to as many as received him, to them he gave the power. Your Bible probably says right, but it's the power. It means privilege to become children of God. To those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, 
nor of the will of man, but of God. By spirit, you're born again through the spirit of God from the same womb. Everybody that truly believes in God and receives the sealing, you become born again from the same father, the father in heaven who sent his son to die and then sends the spirit back to regenerate us and change us into his image. So those are the two ways. And now we become uh, children. We have the right to become children if we believe trust pistio we put our spiritual well-being into his hands and trust him that he has the righteousness that we can have to our account and so when you come back to um john let's go to john uh 2022 i want you to see because i want to talk about what's called the threefold ministry of the holy spirit now listen don't be uh, alarm because I'm moving to a lot of places. Sometimes you can lose the general point. The point is the threefold ministry of the Holy Spirit, right? First, we have to become children when we believe in His name. He breathes upon us the breath of life the same way He did in the garden with Adam and Eve. When He formed Adam out of dust, He breathed on him and He became a living being. When he comes and he brings salvation, 2022, what did he do? We just studied this. He said to the boys, and, uh, and he said, when he had done this, he said, he breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. So he, they're already saved. When we get to Acts chapter 2, and we see the Holy Spirit of promise come down upon them, they're already saved because they already believe. You receive the seal of the Holy Spirit when you believe. But when you begin to follow, now there's more power to come afterwards. And I, I can prove this with Old Testament, but I'm not going to do it right now. We'll do it later uh, when uh, Eleazar goes and gets a bride for Isaac. Eleazar is the Holy Spirit, one who comes alongside. The bride is Rachel, and he gives her gifts. And then after she said, I will go, she was given more gifts. And this is what the Holy Spirit does in our lives because he cannot. See, he's, he's the executor, and I don't want to lose you on too many points, but he is the executor of the estate. When the testator died, now he hands out the power of the Holy Spirit according to the will of God. So you have to be following the will of God or you can't get the Holy Spirit's power, his gifts, his talents, his ability, and your position in the body if you still continue to do what you're doing and ignore God. Same thing that happens in civil law, testator law, uh, when somebody dies, uh, you cannot, the judge will not let the executive of the state just toss that money anywhere or give away the property anywhere. It has to be according to the will that was written by the person who was alive and decided where it was going to go. And then when the testator dies, it has to be followed according to the law that was written uh, before by the living person. You have to understand that because the Holy Spirit is handing out all of the inheritance from Jesus because he died. Now the Father's will can be done and the inheritance can be handed out to you and I. Old Testament looked forward to this happening. We look back on this happening. But the only way it could happen is if the testator... Jesus died. If God came and died, now the will of God can be enacted, that all the inheritance can be handed out to us, and it's done by the Spirit of God. And if you don't let the Spirit of God lead you, 
then he waits on you. He says, well, you said you believe, but I, I really haven't seen you trying to follow me. You're not in the word, prayer, and fellowship. I, and, and through all of this, listen to me, guys and gals. Uh, I am never saying you have to work for your salvation. It's a free gift. Ephesians 2, for you are saved by grace through faith. That is not of yourself. It is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. But 2.10 says we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works that we should walk in them. That's the life we're living now. We're, letting, we're walking in what he's already prepared in the inheritance by the power of the Holy Spirit, we're letting him complete that work as we walk or run this race, as Paul said. And we should lay aside every sin and every weight that entangles us and run with endurance the race that's been set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Always looking. Well, where is he? He's right in front of you. He's here now. He is the Spirit. And the Spirit is who we should be following. As many as follow the Spirit of God, these are the children of God. That's the evidence of salvation. It's not for salvation. The God of the universe comes and seals us and lives in us and says, I have so much more for you. Just draw near to me. Just, just admit that you are weak and I will give you the ability to be strong. Be strong in the Lord and the power of His might. Put on the full armor of God. Come Friday night, we're talking about that. The studies go together. The Spirit's always in unity. We're not just haphazardly jumping around. We're trying to flow with what the Spirit is telling us. I would encourage you. Let's read again. Acts 1.8. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you to be witnesses for me throughout Jerusalem all Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the earth. Father, thank you for your spirit. Thank you for being here now. And I pray that you would open our eyes, that we would see Jesus, and that we would understand the work of the spirit in our lives. Thank you, Lord. We give you praise. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, the threefold ministry of the Holy Spirit, we're going to be beginning uh, looking at uh, next is in John 16. Excuse me, John 14, 15. I don't know where that 16 came from. I got ahead of myself, I guess. John 14. I'm going to be tedious. Listen to me. We're going to move some places. We're putting the full counsel of God together. As Paul told the Ephesian elders, I have not failed to give you the full counsel of God. You need to be led by the Spirit. This is, not, this is not something, oh yeah, and if you want to. This is foundational. Jesus is the foundation. Jesus is the Spirit. You cannot build with any other things on your life. It has to be built with the power of the Holy Spirit, with the materials that God would give you to be the part of the body as He chips away at you and adds you to that. And we work together with one another to see the lost come to salvation and continue to be discipled to do what we're doing. So 1415, we were just here about a year ago. And Jesus is speaking to the boys. Um, and he says to them, if you love me, keep my commandments. Remember, keep is guard, protect. Commandments is an authoritative prescription. 
This is the prescription from the great physician. Keep his commandments. And I will pray the Father. See, they're sealed. They're believing. You're sealed. When you begin to follow what you already know, he will pray the Father and he will give you another helper. And the word helper there in the King James is comforter. Man, you know when there's so much pain in life and so much sorrow and you look around and see the hurt and everything and you go, man, I need some comfort from somewhere. And the only way you can have perspective is by knowing what God is doing. And the only way you keep yourself from in your emotions, putting the pillow underneath everybody's head and handing out monies and going, let's feed the poor and, and put shoes on, on those people. Let's get this taken care of. And you do it in a physical way is by knowing what the comforter will tell you. Or you will live your life in the flesh, in your emotions, and freak out on the things that you see and go through. So you need this comforter. You need this helper. He's called the parakletos. Parakletos, one who comes alongside literally to help. He is the strength of our life now. Jesus, we sing, be the strength of my life. And then we go off and we swipe our credit card. Be the strength of my life. And then we go off and yell at whoever. Be the strength of my life. And then we go out and we go, I can do this. Get out of the way. Instead of praying. Instead of trusting the Lord. Instead of saying, what does your word say about this, Lord? I know I'm going through this for a reason because you're sovereign in all the affairs of men. So there's absolutely no way that this could happen unless you were allowing it and you were teaching me something through it. And you were trying to, to use that fire to burn out the dross from my life, to conform me into your image. So I know you're on the throne. I want to listen to your comforter, your parakletos that comes alongside to help. So he says, I will give you another helper that he may abide with you forever. How long is that? Somebody got a calculator? Oh, who is it? Oh, it says right there in 17, the spirit of truth. What? Are you kidding me? Jesus just said over in 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. So the another is just like the same one because it's Jesus in spirit because God is a spirit. But right now he's in flesh talking to him, walking with him. He, and, he's, and he's decided to be in one central location. But now he's in every single person who believes in him's heart. Because they're his children. But you begin to follow and obey the authoritative prescription. Or authoritative prescription and then he begins to give you more power. And his power and his, and his likeness grows fruit in your life. And it looks like love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And it keeps rising up in your life. And you don't go backwards. Sheep are forward moving. And so even when you fall short, you ask him to forgive you. And there's no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus if you walk according to the flesh. No, no, no. Hang on a minute. If. You do it according to your bank account. No, wait a minute. That's not what it says in my Bible. That's, a, that's the street version. Listen, there's no judgment to those who are in Christ Jesus if you walk according to the Spirit and not according to the flesh. See, if you walk according to the flesh, you're going to die. You're going to be led into death because the enemy's lying to you. So let's just move faster. The Lord is the Spirit. 17, the spirit of truth 
whom the world cannot receive. We just read about that in 111. You have to believe in his name and then you can receive him. Then you're no longer of the world. Because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him for he dwells, this is where he lives, with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphanos, orphans, orphanos. I will come to you. And really, literally, the word orphans, um, if I can find it in my sloppy bunch of notes that I put together that I can't really always figure out what's going on with. Um, oh, my goodness. Are you serious? It means, well, actually, I will not lead you comfortless is the King James. It means those that are bereaved or parentless, fatherless, those without a teacher, a guide, or a guardian. Listen, that's what orphanos means. It, it, I will not leave you comfortless is how the King James actually translates it. And it's the Holy Spirit that's going to come. Where is he from? He's from the Father, just like the Son came from the Father. It's all part of the plan. To get us across the finish line. We're worried about getting to work tomorrow. And, and Jesus is working on getting us into heaven. So he says this though. I want you to see this. Because we're talking about the threefold ministry of the Holy Spirit. For he dwells. It's 17c. For he dwells with you. That's the first thing. With. And then he will be in you. Now listen to me, because with is para. Parakletos is one who comes alongside. And the, and the Holy Spirit is in the world right now. And what's he doing? John 16, convicting the world of sin and righteousness and judgment. We're all sinners. The only way to have righteousness is, is, is to receive the free gift and have Jesus' righteousness put on our account because there's one day going to be a judgment. And if you don't know Jesus... You're going to get cast into hell. So the Holy Spirit right now is with us. He comes alongside us. All your life, you've been living your life. And you're like, well, why would I even think that? Why would I do a nice deed? Why would I hope that? Why would I have any interest in God? Because the Holy Spirit is alongside convicting you. And when you receive that conviction and you believe in Jesus, then he comes in and dwells in your heart. And he seals you until the day of redemption. Like we talked about, Ephesians 1.13. Listen to me, para, you guys know this word, paralegal. You ever heard of a paralegal? A paralegal is somebody who uh, can do every bit of the work of a lawyer but cannot do the answering in the courtroom for you. And the Holy Spirit can come alongside and teach you, guide you, be your guardian, can direct you where to go, you can follow him. He can do everything, but you're a free will agent. You have to choose to follow him in your free will. You have to choose that I want my inheritance. You have to choose that I understand my identity. You have to say, I believe you, God, and I'm going to be led by the Spirit of God. Para. What, Jesus, what did he do? He taught parables. What are parables, real life stories and sometimes made up stories that, 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 that doesn't hurt his character and that are laid alongside spiritual truth so that people that don't want to hear don't lose any chance of ever hearing. 
because it hardens your heart. When you hear truth, when you sit in a congregation or in a Bible study and you're being equipped to do the work of the ministry and you say, I'm a Christian and I know Jesus and you don't obey the truth that you get and guard it and protect it and use it for your life by the power of the Holy Spirit, then it hardens your heart for the next time. And it makes it harder for that seed to go in there. And so Jesus, in his grace, began to teach in parables, something laid alongside. And then those that were interested in following him, they would go, hey, what do you mean by that? And they would draw near and they would ask questions and he would tell them. And he might say to them, are you still not believing? Are you still without faith? Do you still not understand because we're supposed to be on the grow. We're supposed to be coming off the milk and get on the meat. We shouldn't be many, many years and not understanding, but it's because of our own flesh, our hard hearts that won't listen. And we continue to try to, to pretend and finish what is started in the spirit by our flesh. And he's like, listen, I love you. Come on, I love you. Follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. Because he's here for souls. He's not here for the world to be saved and, and people without shoes to have shoes on and people that are hungry to have food. Although we can do that, but if we're not led by the Spirit and we do that, it becomes religion. And see, the world wants you to get involved in their form of godliness, which denies the power thereof. And so therefore, you have to accept everybody where they're at. You have to take care of. You have to do good deeds before men. Or you're not loving at all. If you don't tolerate them, but yet they don't tolerate us. Wait a minute, I got just a little bit of counsel for you. If that's what you want to do, let me just talk to you a minute about Jesus. Oh, I don't want to hear about your Jesus. And they won't tolerate us, but they want us to tolerate them. And therefore, if we're actually being led by the Spirit, that's why they killed all the apostles. Because the world hates Jesus. You shine that light into darkness and it can't comprehend it. It can't extinguish it. It can't, it can't get rid of it. It don't know what to do with it. It has no wisdom for it. So it just kills you. Murder. Satan was a murderer from the beginning. We need the Holy Spirit in our lives. So the first one is para. He comes alongside. He convicts you and you say, wow, I am a sinner. I believe. And then he comes in. It's the Greek preposition E-N, it means to indwell you. It means to come in and seal you and prepare you as a child of God. I'm looking for my notes. Um, it denotes a fixed position, fixed position. And now you have been sealed for salvation. But then as you begin to learn and listen and get off the milk and get your legs underneath you and begin to walk or run this race, if you will, and understand uh, that you are uh, a soldier in the army of the living God, you want to go out and do the work of the ministry. Quite naturally, our flesh says, I got this. My bank account can pay for this. Quite naturally, our flesh says, I got this. I think I can build anything you want to build. Quite naturally, our flesh says, I'll do it. Stand back, Lord. I got this one. You can't do that. You're being led by your own abilities. You're being led by what you can see. And faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So we have to learn and train ourselves to live by faith, following the author and the finisher of our faith, and trust him for the power or the ability. Back to Acts 1.8. Let's look at it again. 
Because quite naturally, remember verse 6, right after Jesus said, go and wait, go and be still. Father's going to bring about his promises. He's going to complete the work he started in you until the day of Christ Jesus. What do they say? Will you at this time restore the kingdom? It's verse 6. That's the number of men. They're worried about the physical. Part of our completion is verse 7. It is not for us that we have to worry about or to know times and seasons that the Father has put into his own hands. I don't have to know all the details, but Jesus says, here's the number of new beginnings for us believers. Verse 8, but you shall receive power. When? While I'm waiting. You shall receive power while I'm waiting on you, Lord. I'm spending time with you in the word, prayer, and fellowship, and I'm waiting, Lord, for you to tell me, for you to fill me, for you to send me, for you to do the work in my life, because you're the one that I belong to. I've been born of you, born of spirit, not born of man, where I need to go to seminary, where I need to go to some other school, where I need to learn some other physical stuff, which is all AI, artificial intelligence. If you don't answer their questions according to what they are telling you to answer, then you go, nope, got that one wrong, Johnny. Got that one wrong, Johnny. Got that one wrong, Johnny. We told you what the answers were before we started this. Listen, the only answer is Jesus. He's the truth. He's the spirit of truth. And if you want to get out of this world alive, you have to listen to him. That's salvation. He came into a burning house, and he's the one that's going to lead us out. And he has a mask to put on your face that gives you air from heaven. So you can breathe clearly and walk through this sin-filled, dirty, nasty, polluted, smoking world that's going to burn. You have to breathe his air. He breathes on you. It says, receive my spirit. And he gives you fresh air from heaven. And you want to keep breathing that air because everything else is going to kill you. Listen to me. Everything else. 1 John 5, 19, I know you're of God, but the whole world lies underneath the sway of the wicked one. The whole world. That's everything, including much of the church, which is apostate, falling away, not listening. But what he has for us is power. It's a gift. Deutimus. Deutimus is the word. It's, it, it, we get the word dynamite or dynamic. You can see a dynamic in a person's life that is following Jesus, that is marching to the beat of Jesus and not to the beat of Satan. You can see a difference by the heart and what it's pursuing. There's a dynamic about the Holy Spirit that leads you. But when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, epi is the word, upon, epi. It's upon, not, not, not beside, with, not in, but upon. As you begin to follow and you begin to grow, the Spirit of God begins to take over your life as you surrender and He fills up and fills you up and wells up over you till it's overflowing in your life. In fact, look at John 7. John 7, what I call it, 35? celebrating the feast oh john 7 37 on the last day the great day of the feast jesus stood and cried out saying if anyone thirst let him come to me and drink he who believes there's our word pistio in me as the scripture has said out of his heart will flow rivers of living water commentary from the holy spirit 
39. But this he spoke concerning the Spirit, who those believing in him would receive, for the Holy Spirit was not yet given, because Jesus was not yet seated at the right hand of the Father, glorified. Back in heaven, the prayer of John 17. Listen to me. Listen to me. I want you to understand that if we ignore the Holy Spirit, which is foundational because Jesus is the foundation and he is the spirit. If we ignore the power of the Holy Spirit in our life and don't have a relationship with him, then we have not life at all. It is not a choice. It is foundational to be in love with the Holy Spirit. It is Jesus. And we need to be listening. And we need to, my sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. And as you follow, his voice is going to get easier to hear and his spirit is going to overflow in your life. And you're going to want to gush out rivers of living water on other people because you know the king of kings and his power is at work in you. That's real salvation. True salvation. Now let's look, because I want you to see it. And, you, and it starts in Jerusalem. Teaching peace is what Jerusalem means. And then all Judea, which is he shall be praised. Uh, uh, and then Samaria. Um, my brain went dead. I knew what Samaria meant. And to the end of the earth. Um, but the point being, as we go through the book of Acts, you'll see that first it's pure Jews. And then when you get to Samaria... When they get chased up out of Jerusalem because they wouldn't go, they wouldn't follow. God allows persecution to come from Saul. We're getting ready to see it. And then they go to Samaria, which is half Jews and half Gentiles. And then we're going to see in chapter 10, they go down to Cornelius' house, which is full Gentiles. And so it's going to the uttermost parts of the earth. And you and I are that. We're the uttermost parts of the earth because we're Gentiles. So there is the sealing of the Holy, or the, excuse me, the Holy Spirit comes alongside and, and you hear the voice of God or you could not ever believe and be convicted of your sin. And when you are convicted and you believe that Jesus is Lord and God raised him from the dead, you both agree together, then the Holy Spirit comes in and seals you, right? But then there's more power afterward to do what? To be a witness. How do I witness? By, by walking out this love as I serve others. That's my witness, and I use the words, what do you do? I swear to tell the whole truth and the whole truth, nothing but the truth, so help you God. I do. And you're in this grand courtroom and somebody goes, well, I, my pronouns are, uh, uh, and you go, whoa, 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 whoa. Now, I, don't rush in where angels fear to tread and there you are. But sometimes you have to answer people when they are confused. You have to answer them to the truth that God made just male and female. That's the truth. And it, sets, it can set people free or they can harden their heart. And I'm not telling you to go out and fight one battle. I'm telling you to deal with sin where it's at. Walk it out, live it out, be there to counsel, be there to point out, and be there to speak up and infuse truth into every area of your life. At the gas pump, in Menards, wherever you're at, on the work site. You don't have, when you're laughing at the dirty jokes that they're laughing at, you're not infusing Jesus. It's difficult, but that's why they killed all the disciples. They didn't kill them because they blended in. They didn't kill them because they came in there talking about the football game and everything they were talking about. And I'm not picking on any of these physical things. I'm just telling you, 
It's, it's the word of God that meets the conscience of a man that, that has to make him make a decision in his own free will what I'm going to do, and the Holy Spirit has to be involved in it on your side and on their side. Nobody's coming to life and coming to know Jesus unless the Spirit of God is there already but alongside them. And then when they hear that truth, then he can come and seal them. And then as we begin to grow, he can fill us up with the Holy Spirit. But you know what? You can quench and grieve and insult the Holy Spirit all of your Christian walk. You can have a saved soul and what I believe is a lost life. Because he's bought you and saved you for so much more. And so now you're building with other materials and you, you go through this fire and you get in by smelling like smoke, Paul tells us. You smell just like smoke because you didn't do anything that was according to the inheritance and God's plan. And he can come up on you with power. Now let's look at it. I want to look at it. And we're going to walk through the pages, like I said, a little bit more. This will be easier than jumping all over and looking at scripture because we're just going to walk through from chapter 2 all the way to chapter 19. Just going to look at a few places and I'll try to be as quick as possible with that and not wear you out. So the first place is chapter 2 where we see that uh, Pentecost uh, 2.1. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, there's that word full, you're going to want to see it because, listen, this is the threefold ministry of the Holy Spirit. Some people call it the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Some people call it the filling of the Holy Spirit. And some people call it the upon experience. I, I think those are interchangeable in the way that they're used. Because you have to look for the Holy Spirit's power to lead your life. Now they're waiting in Jerusalem, they're in the same upper room where they ate the supper, they believe. And it says, when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of, notice it wasn't a rushing wind. It sounded, you could hear it. So you can hear the spirit in a person. As of a rushing and mighty wind, because that's what it's about. It's might and power. And it filled, see that? Notice the Notice the, the work that the Holy Spirit does. It filled the whole house where they were setting. Listen. And then it's going to fill each of them. The whole house, we are the house of God, fills the whole house. So they, it filled the whole house. I'm looking for the word. It means to, uh, you should get your notes in better order, young man. There we go. It means to uh, influence and supply, to furnish, to fill up. That's what this means. It filled the whole house. What happened then, Greg, when the Holy Spirit filled them? Filled the whole house where they were sitting. You know, they're sitting, they're waiting, they're resting. Three, then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire, notice it's as of. It really wasn't fire. It was as of fire. God's a consuming fire. He wants to burn out the dross. And, and one set upon each, notice it's upon each of them. And they were all filled, again, supplied. It's the promise. They were supplied, influenced by, furnished, filled up. The um, with the Holy Spirit, and what did they begin to do? Speak with other tongues as, that's a key word, the Spirit gave them utterance. 
See, when you're filled with the Holy Spirit, you do what the Holy Spirit is doing. If you went over into 1 Corinthians 12, you would see that not everybody speaks in tongues. It's a gift for certain people. And not everybody does. Some people have other gifts. There's a bunch of giftings. We'll cover them. You can get the tape. There's a ton of gifts. Word of wisdom, word of knowledge. There's the healing. Uh, there's tongues. There's interpretation of tongues. I mean, there's all of these gifts that go on. There's tongues of service. There's tongues of, or excuse me, there's, there's uh, works of ministry, works of service. There's so many things that the Holy, if we're all just doing the same exact things, which some churches like to do, everybody has to speak in tongues. Do it now. And that's not the Holy Spirit. As the Holy Spirit gives you utterance, as the Holy Spirit gives you the ability, as the Holy Spirit gives you the power. But sometimes people do speak in tongues. Sometimes people speak in tongues. I speak in tongues every single day. But if you go back again, 1 Corinthians chapter 14. Paul says that he wished that we all spoke in tongues, but he wished that we would speak one word of encouragement, not in a language that people can't understand. And you could do more if you would prophesy and teach the word of God and help people to understand that God loves them and he wants to put his spirit in them and he wants them to surrender and be sanctified and washed and cleansed and become like him. That's all of salvation. So we can enjoy his love for eternity. So this is the first instance when the church is born. We'll talk about it when we get to chapter two soon. Look over at chapter four. I want you to see some things because there's skeptics. There's people that say, oh, this can't be true. What are you talking about? There's just the Holy Spirit. You only get the Holy Spirit. Listen, listen to me. They were already breathed on. They already had the spirit. When we arrive on chapter two of Acts while they're waiting afterwards, he breathed on them already and said, receive my spirit in John 20, 22. That's life. That's the ceiling and now we're seeing the upon experience where they're going to give power and Peter's going to get up and give a sermon. In fact, he gives this sermon in chapter 3 and then in chapter 4, they're, they're arrested for just preaching Jesus and telling the same people that he, that he denied Jesus to, you crucified the Lord of glory, the boldness that came with the Spirit. And then it tells us exactly what happened. Look at 4.8. I just want you to see 4.8. Then Peter said to them, anybody got anything else in between, said to them. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them. Listen, the Holy Spirit is telling you and me how he could say to them. There's no reason if every Christian has the same ceiling and only one time feeling of the Holy Spirit, there's no reason for the Holy Spirit to ever say why he said it. But he wants us who have eyes to see and ears to hear what the Spirit's saying to the church that the only reason he could do this now is because he was filled and influenced and furnished by the Holy Spirit. He was filled up. Those words are not necessary if he's just a Christian. Then he said, that's all you have to say. The Holy Spirit doesn't waste words. And so then they, were, they, they went through this whole scenario, and we'll cover it in great detail as we go through it, uh, the book. Then, then, then they noticed one thing. It's in, it's in 13 that they were uneducated, untrained men, but they took note that they had been with Jesus. And then they warned him and threatened him and said, don't ever speak in this man's name again. You're trying to put his blood on our head. Don't you do that. So they went away and hid and, and never came out again and never said another word. And they said, we're scared to death. No, look at it. Pick it up over in 423. 
And being let go, they went to their own companions and reported. They gave testimony of all the chief priests and elders had said to them. And, and so when they heard that, they uh, went and hid underneath their beds and went back to the flesh life and fishing again. No, they raised their voice to God. They went and prayed with one accord. They had a corporate prayer meeting and said, Lord, you are God, your sovereign, who made the heavens and the earth and the sea and all that is in them. So they're rehearsing who God is and who they should listen to. They're encouraging each other, who by the mouth of your servant David has said, Why did the nations rage and why do the people plot a vain thing? The kings of the earth took their stand and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his Christ. Can't wait to talk about that. For truly against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, when the Gentiles and the people of Israel were gathered together to do whatever your hand. Notice everything happened to Jesus was according to God's hand. And God's purpose determined before to be done. And now look what they say. Look what they say. Now protect us. Now protect us. Keep us from them enemies. Don't let them ever do nothing. No, wait a minute. Wait, verse 29. Now, Lord, look on their threats and grant to your servants, give your servants boldness that we may speak your word by stretching out your hand to heal and that signs and wonders may be done to your name, your character, your nature, your will of your holy servant, Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and they spoke the word of God with boldness. Look, they got filled again. Because listen, listen to me, because this is very important. If you buy a brand new car and they give you a free tank of gas and you drive off, do you ever have to get gas again? No, it came with gas. Listen, when you're used, sometimes you can be used and used and used and you got energy. You don't know where it came from. It's a supernatural ability and power. It's the deutimous power from the Holy Spirit. And then you sit down and you go, wow, I'm tired. So you, just, like, just like the boys when they fed the 5,000 and the 4,000, you got to keep coming to Jesus. You got to keep coming back and getting filled. You got to keep coming back and getting bread. Think about how, how long they'd have been gone if Jesus would have said, set them down in, in, in crowds of 10,000 and then here, get some bread and take it out. They wouldn't know where to start at. They wouldn't know where to go at. But he said, set them down in little bitty groups and then go to one of them and then come back and get refilled and then go to another one and come back and get refilled. You got to keep coming back and getting filled again. You got to have a personal relationship with God. And now there's other things too. See, what if, you're, what if you sin? What if you uh, grieve or quench or lie to or insult the Holy Spirit and you go, oh, man, because he's going to stop right there and go, wait a minute, this is not good. You're not, you're not following. You're doing your own thing. You're turning back to your flesh and, and you say, oh, you're right. I agree. I confess it. And then he's faithful to forgive you and then keep cleansing you from all unrighteousness, and you ask him again to baptize you with power. I do it every morning. Been doing it every morning for about 27 years, thanks to, to God uh, in faithfulness. Uh, I put on the armor of God, and I ask the Holy Spirit to baptize me afresh and anew for the work of the ministry today. And I remind myself that I'm going out in his power for his glory, not in my power for my glory. I'm not building a kingdom. All I can do is get in the way of a kingdom. The kingdom of God, he said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail. 
All I can do is what Satan, or what Peter did. And because he'll call me Satan if I'm mindful of the things of men instead of the mindful of the things of God. It's his kingdom. It's his power. It's his glory. It's his dominion. It's his reign. It's his rule. It's his church. I'm his. And he's God's. He's God's Messiah. Listen to me. We've been bought with the precious blood of Jesus. If we have the Spirit of God in us. So they prayed for boldness. They didn't run off. They said, let's go again. Let's go again. Look over at verse uh, or at chapter 6. Church starts growing. 3,000 people got saved there. 5,000 after that. They're counting the numbers. Chapter 6, they're going, oh no, we got things going on. Ministry starts going. And here we got some of these poor Hellenistic ladies. Hellenistic is Greek speaking out of Alexander the Great. And they're complaining that they're not getting any food from the food bank. Look at it. It's 6 3. And what do they do? What do, they, what do the apostles do? Uh, because they summon, verse 2 says, The twelve summoned the multitude of the disciples and said, It is not desirable that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. Therefore, verse 3, Brethren, seek out from among you seven men of good reputation. Full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom, who we may appoint over this business. But we ourselves, but we will give ourselves continually to prayer. Notice what they're giving themselves to. My house shall be a house of prayer. And to the ministry of the word, proclaiming the truth of the gospel. And then the other parts of the body have gifting, and you put them over the food bank and things. But notice the qualification right there in verse. Uh, uh, three, full of the Holy Spirit. Why didn't he just say, go get some good Christians? Why didn't he just say, get some of the people that, that, because there's a difference in the dynamic of somebody who just says, I believe in Jesus and somebody's full of the Holy Spirit. There's a difference between this and you have to understand that God is separating by that difference Full means to be replete or covered over, completely full, filled up, covered in every part, thoroughly permeated with. That's what it means. Good re reputation in the King James is honest report, which is the word martyreo. It means an honest witness, one who gives witness and testimony and is given evidence. And you can see the evidence, the Shekinah glory following them, that their life is changing. Pick those men to run the food bank. Listen to me. And the wisdom that they were given, you know what they picked? They picked all seven of them were, were Greek speaking because they knew that they would take care of the Hellenistic, the other Greek speaking women. And one of them was Stephen. So as you follow this, one of them was Stephen. It's verse 755. Stephen, Stephen was uh, full of wisdom and full of the power of God. And, and he got in an argument with the, with the church of the freedmen. And, and they couldn't handle his wisdom. So they had him arrested. And in 755, look what happened. I'm trying to give you a paraphrase. So we won't be here for the rest of the week. 
in 755, or seven, he, Stephen gives them the entire dissertation of the whole Old Testament, everything uh, to, the, to the Pharisees and the Sadducees and to those who are playing church and have apostatized and have forgotten who God is and what they're supposed to be doing. And he did it all by the power of the Holy Spirit. 754, when they heard these things, they heard the testimony, they were cut to the heart and they repented and gave their life to Jesus. No, they were cut to their heart and they gnashed their teeth at him. But he, contrast of the Christian, being full of the Holy Spirit. Why would the Holy Spirit say he was full if there was not some other reason why he's able to stand there in front of these people that are getting ready to kill him? He gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God and said, look, I see the heavens open and the Son of Man standing on the right hand of God. They cried out with a loud voice and stopped their ears and ran at him with one accord and they cast their coats, excuse me, and they cast him out of the city and stoned him and the witnesses laid their clothes, their cloaks down at the feet of a young man named Saul. Saul was witnessing the first martyr of the church dying that was full of the Holy Spirit. He's seen a dynamic. He's seen something going on. He's studying at the feet of Gamaliel now, but pretty soon he's going to be bowing at the feet of Jesus. We're going to see that. Look at verse 8. What happens with this persecution? Chapter 8, I mean. Chapter 8, this persecution comes upon all of the church in Jerusalem. So they scatter. Why? Because God had told them, go and make disciples of all nations. Baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach them to obey all that I commanded you. And lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. He told them that when the Holy Spirit come upon them, they was going to have to go. And they all hunkered down into a little holy huddle and built mega churches. And they didn't do anything to go out. But they all hunkered down in and said, we're doing it. We're doing it. And so some of them left and they went down to Samaria and they ran across a sorcerer who had been great and mighty and people were following him with his sorcery. And if you look at 8, uh, 9, there's a certain man called uh, Simon, which means herd, was previously practiced sorcery in the city and astonished the people of Samaria, claiming that he was someone great to whom they all gave heed. They're listening to him from the least to the greatest, saying, this man is the great power of God. What are we discussing here, guys? The power of God. What are we discussing here? It is possible to fake it and people to think you have the ability and the privilege and the power of God, but it's a form of godliness that denies the power thereof. And they heeded him and were astonished over his sorceries for a long time. But when they believed, listen, what did they do? They believed and they were sealed. Philip, as he preached the things concerning the kingdom of God. What's he preaching about? Politics? What's he preaching about? Bunch of worldly stuff? No, he's preaching the kingdom of God the same way Jesus did. Because that's what the Spirit of God wants to talk about. There's a kingdom coming. And he did it in the name of Jesus Christ. Both men and women were baptized. They believed they got baptized. What did they get baptized? In water identification. Then Simon himself also believed. This sorcerer got saved because he's seen it in the life of the other people that were pulled away from him. 
And when he was baptized, he continued with Philip and was amazed, seeing the miracles and signs which were done. Now, Philip was not an apostle. He's a B-apostle. Philip was one, which means, listen, listen, I like Philip. It means fond of horses. I don't know what it means, but I'm fond of horses too. I'm going to be on the back of that one Jesus is riding when we come. So if you see somebody hanging on and him going, get off, get off. That's me, okay? That's me. Fond of horses. And so uh, Philip uh, is the one that was one of the table washers. And when Stephen was killed, he went down to Samaria and preached the gospel. 14, uh, 8, 14. Now, when the apostles who were in Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent Peter and John to them, who, when they had come down, prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. What? They already believed. They've already been baptized. See, they've already been sealed but they haven't received the upon experience, the feeling. So he prayed for it. For as yet he had not fallen. Here it is, epi, upon none of them. They had all been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus, which is what we do after somebody believes. Then he laid hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. They did. Uh, who did? I don't know. It was Peter and John. See, anytime you lay hands on it, it should be plural. It's what James says. Call the elders and lay hands on, not hand. See, if it's a hand, then you go, oh, that guy's powerful. But if it's hands, you don't know who God used. So God gets the glory. That's why you go out in twos and you don't become a lone wolf McQuaid where you're the one that gets the glory. Listen to me. Ow. Hurt my elbow. They laid hands on. Sometimes it's necessary to lay on hands. Now, the only thing you can really transfer by laying on hands is germs. But if, if, if somebody who is being used by God and is full of the Holy Spirit puts their hands on you and prays over you, they're, they're, they're actually allowing you to believe at the same time through their faith also. You put your faith together. You're, you're, you, hand, you put your faith, shields of faith together, and now I can believe that God is hearing the prayer and I can be baptized in the Holy Spirit also. So they're just coming down and giving their seal to half Jew and half Gentiles. And it had to be the boys or nobody would ever believe that they received the Holy Spirit just like the rest of the church. But what happened next? And when Simon saw that through the laying on of the apostles' hands, the Holy Spirit was given, he offered them money saying, give me this power also that anyone whom I lay hands on may receive the Holy Spirit. Now, I'm not going any further. We'll cover that when we get to it. But notice Notice that something had to be there for Simon to see. There had to be a dynamic when the Holy Spirit came upon the people or he would not have known. He would have just said, oh, they're touching each other and having holy hugs and laying hands on each other. But there had to be a dynamic in those people for him to offer money to get it. We'll talk about it when we get to it. You cannot finish with money. You cannot buy the gift of God. He's going to... He's going to uh, rebuke him sharply as we should when somebody's not living right. So now move on uh, to 10, chapter 10. Look at verse 1 of chapter 10. Now, see, this is a half it's Samaria. It's Samaria and the Gentiles, half Gentile, half mixed breed. And then we're going to go all the way to full Gentiles. Chapter 10 is Cornelius. And it tells us in chapter or verse 1, there was a certain man 
in Caesarea called Cornelius, a centurion of what was called the Italian regiment, a devout man, one who feared God with all his household, who gave alms generously to the people and prayed to God. Notice he's praying. He prayed to God always. Now jump all the way down because I'll give you the rest of it in a paraphrase. While this is going on, an angel comes to him and tells him that his alms have come up before God and that God is going to bless him. So therefore, send for all of your friends. Send for everybody you know and bring them into a crowd. And then send also to Joppa and get Peter, who's down in Joppa at a tanner's house, and bring him here and listen to everything he says. I'm giving you the paraphrase. We'll cover it when we go through the book of Acts. Now notice this. It's... uh, 1044. Peter's there. Peter's telling them, not me. And then it says in 44, 1044, while Peter was speaking these words, the Holy Spirit fell upon Epi, all those who heard. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And those of the circumcision, that's the Jews that were with Peter, who believed were astonished as many came with Peter because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles also, for they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. Listen, listen. Again, you see the upon experience happening to people that already feared God. They already believed in God, but they have to become children of God. And then there's power of God that rises up, the ability, the privilege to go out and serve, to go out and love, to go out and give witness to our words and our deeds. I'm doing this quickly. I hope you're keeping up. Jump to 13. 13.4. I can't even remember what that one is. What's 13.4? Oh, yeah, the first missionary journey. And the Holy Spirit said to the elders of the church, separate to me Saul and Barnabas. I skipped nine, didn't I? My goodness. I skipped Saul of Tarsus. That's, That's crazy. I got excited. I got influenced and excited. 13.4, 13, they come to an island, uh, Sergius Paulus is there, he's the leader of it, there's a, 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 a um, sorceress named Bar-Jesus, and he's, he's getting in the way and trying to keep Sergius Paulus from coming and hearing the word of God, it says in verse 7, and then verse 9 says, Saul who also is called Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, looked intently at him and said, O full of deceit and all fraud, you son of the devil, you enemy of all righteousness, will you not cease perverting the straight ways of the Lord? And now indeed the hand of the Lord is upon you, and you shall be blind, not seeing the sun for a time. And immediately he was blind, and he searched for somebody to lead him around. But notice in 9, the reason Paul could do it was because he was filled with the Holy Spirit. Now let's back up and do Paul since we skipped him. Go back to chapter 9. When the persecution came upon the church and Philip went down to Samaria in chapter 9, we know that Saul followed. He got letters from the the Sadducees and Pharisees and he pursued them as far as Damascus. And on the road to Damascus, he's, he's, he's going in, riding in in pomp, and a bright light came and he fell down on the road and became blind. 
And the, and the voice said, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus. It's hard for you to kick against the goads. And so he was led into the city blind. And then the Lord goes to another servant, Ananias, and says, Ananias, go speak to Paul. Lay hands on him. And he argued with him a little bit. And then in 917, look what it says in 917. Here is Saul who became Paul. They laid the clothes at his feet when they stoned Stephen. And Ananias went his way and entered the house and laying his hands on him, he said, Brother Saul. Now listen to me because he's already calling him brother because he's already a child of God. Because he already believed on the road when he called him Lord. And then he followed and obeyed what he said and went into the city and did what God said. So he's a child of God. The Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you came, has sent me that you may receive your sight, physical, and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately there fell from his eyes something like scales, and he received his sight at once, and he arose and was baptized. Now he, he got baptized afterwards. You see that? That's water baptism. He's already baptized in the body because he believed. They laid hands on him. And Ananias says, receive your sight. He, the Holy Spirit comes and fills him, influences his whole life. His eyes are open. And then he immediately starts to teach there in Damascus. So much so that they got mad at him and he had to be let down over a wall and uh, escaped for his life when he was teaching truth. Now I got one more for you and then we'll close this up since you've been sitting on your seats for so long, it's in 19 of Acts. I think it's the second missionary journey, and Paul comes to Ephesus. Where am I at? Paul comes to Ephesus and meets a group of disciples. Acts 19, verse 1. While you're making your way there, I'm fine to find it. I'm new at this. And it happened while Apollos was at Corinth that Paul, having passed through the upper regions, came to Ephesus, modern-day Turkey, 99% Muslim, kill you if you're a Christian today, and finding some, of, finding some disciples, that's learners or pupils, he said to them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed so they said to him, we have not so much as heard whether there is a Holy Spirit. Maybe you're there now. You're like, I hadn't even heard there was a Holy Spirit. I've been trying to walk out this stuff without the Spirit. They didn't even hear. But they believed, and when you believe, you're sealed. So the Holy Spirit was in them, or they couldn't have continued. And he, they couldn't have been called disciples. And he said to them, into what then were you baptized? Talking of water baptism. So they said into John's baptism. So Paul explains to us what John's baptism was. Verse 4, John indeed baptized with a baptism of repentance, saying to the people that they should believe on him who would come after him, that is on Christ Jesus. Notice that Christ is first because that's the Mashiach, the anointed of God. Jesus was his earthly name. The Lord is salvation. When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul had laid hands on them, the Holy Spirit came upon Epi them and they spoke with tongues and prophesied. Now the men were about 12 in all and prophesied 
we sometimes get confused with, but prophesy just means foretelling of the Word of God. Foretelling of the Word of God. You're speaking the truth of God. That's what you do when you prophesy. You're not, you're not trying to predict the future. And the world and the churches confuse these. Nostradamus was, was predicting the future through a demon or a familiar spirit. But God tells his friend the things that he's doing. You can prophesy and tell if you allow the Holy Spirit to fill you. Then you can speak the oracles of God. Because God is the one teaching you and preparing you to speak to others. But you need to check it you need to to listen to it you need to be bereans and say is this really true and search the scriptures daily because the enemy sent out his prophets into the church the spirit of antichrist to deceive the elect if it were possible so you need to know who you are in christ and you need to ask him to baptize you in the spirit how do you get the spirit well look at luke 11 let's look at luke 11 it's very clear if you want the Spirit, you need to have a relationship with the Spirit. Luke eleven thirteen tells us very clearly what we should do. If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? Now you can also read these texts, read them in context, find out what's going on, and see if I'm using any of these verses out of context, which I'm not. I just don't have enough time. It would be uh, an entire uh, uh, series or sermons or, or uh, 20 weeks to, to go through every single one of these and teach them and tie them together. So I'm just using those scriptures to help us to understand we should be asking God, not just we're sealed, we're Christians, asking him for the Holy Spirit's power, surrendering, dying, taking up our cross daily and following after him. And as you follow him, he will fill you with his spirit. As you follow him, he will tell you what your gifts and talents and abilities are. You'll wake up and you'll be doing it. I remember when I, I was called to be a pastor. I didn't know it. I was doing it for two years. Went to California to a pastor's conference with Tom and asked my wife, oh, you can't anymore. But they were, we were sitting in this gymnasium and, and the pastor's teaching. And I started bawling when I realized I was a pastor. When I realized that I was an associate pastor. It was an associate pastor who, to Chuck was teaching about what an associate pastor did. But see, what happens is, is people in the flesh start jockeying for positions in the church. And because they have a hat on and they have a dollar bill and they can do something, the pastor who's overwhelmed will put them in a position and all of a sudden they're doing it, but they don't know nothing about doing it in the Holy Spirit. So it's okay to wait on the Lord to build a church. He already promised he would do it. It's okay to wait on the Holy Spirit to do the work, but it has to be a free will choice of the people to allow the Holy Spirit to be effective in their life. And they have to stop pursuing the things of this world. Because if you live in the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you shall live. And as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the children of God. And ask the Holy Spirit to fill you and use you and send you. And you give your life because it's been bought with a price. You freely choose to give it so that the Holy Spirit can use your hands and your feet and whatever it is that he's given you to be a witness to other people so that they can see a true living God and come to salvation. The threefold ministry of the Holy Spirit 
Have you been baptized in the Spirit? Have you been filled? Have you, have you been, ever filled up to gush to overflow by the power of the Holy Spirit? Ask Him. Ask Him. Sometimes it takes laying on of hands. In fact, if anybody wants us to lay hands on them right now, all you have to do is get up and walk up here and we'll lay hands on you and pray for you to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. If you want a new dynamic in your life and you want to follow listen, God does not give you his spirit to go on sinning. He's not going to fill a dirty vessel. He gives you his spirit because you're ready to surrender and you want to go out and love and serve and be a witness for him. He does not hand out the spoils from heaven to those who are still living for themselves. It takes self-denial, surrender, and following him. That means be in the way with him. And he, I mean, his sheep know his voice. He knows them and they follow him. Who do you want to follow today? It's a decision. Draw a line in the sand and ask him to fill you. I'll give a minute. If anybody wants to have hands laid on them, we, we can do that. Sometimes it takes that. You may speak in tongues. You may not. Not everybody has the gift of tongues. Tongues edifies the person unless there's an interpreter. But prophesying the word of God edifies God. It puts the attention on the spirit of God. Father, thank you for your grace and your mercy. Thank you for uh, the gift of your spirit, Lord. And we believe in you. So we know you've sealed us, but we pray, Lord, that we would have a desire to die to self and to walk forward and live for you and grow in the grace and the knowledge of you and be about your will and not be mindful of the things of man. Lord, save souls. Pour out your spirit. Send your spirit throughout the highways and the byways and bring people to salvation, Lord God. We want it to be a work of your spirit, never a work of man. We give you praise. In Jesus' name, amen. The Lord bless you. And that concludes today's message on Who Am I? with Pastor Greg Tyra of Harvest Chapel in Williamsport, Indiana. If you're in the area, we would love to have you as our guest. Harvest Chapel is located at 418 Old State Road 28, Williamsport, Indiana 47993. We meet for worship on Sundays at 10 a.m. Our prayer meetings meet Wednesdays at 6.30 p.m. Our Bible study meets on Friday at 7 p.m. Today's and previous messages are available on CD. If you would like a copy, please call 765-404-7203. We look forward to seeing you again next time on Who Am I? Whom shall I fear? Whom shall I fear? Because I